Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in today. Quick warning before we get started. The podcast episode may cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to suicide, mental health illness, and grief. Your advice to refrain from listening to the podcast if you may be adversely impacted to these topics. Thanks so much. We'll get on with the show. Welcome to the Supazon Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Cook, Superintendent of Ben Lapine Schools. On the Supazon Podcast, we talk about all things public education, specifically as they relate to our Ben Lapine Schools and the greater community here in Central Oregon. Today, we're going to kick off the first part of a two-part series on student mental health. And we are very excited to have two of our incredible high school counselors here with us today to focus on this topic and to get shed some light in the experiences of our students in our schools, both uh, in a, what I would say is a traditional year and also in what this might be classified as the second of a non-traditional year with the impact of the pandemic. And so I would first love to welcome to our show uh, Ben Senior High School uh, Counselor Christine Ewing. So Hi, Christine. excited to be here. Thank you. And our Lapine High School Counselor Kelsey Jekyll. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Also very excited and honored. Thank you. So we are very excited to get into this topic. Uh, we they, we want to recognize there's a lot here that we could get into, and uh, there could be some pretty uh, serious discussions going on. And I hope that we can uh, shed some light with our listeners about some of the experiences that we're seeing and, and our students are experiencing in our schools this year and how we are addressing those and how we're dealing with those collectively. So before we start going into that, first of all, Christine, why don't you give us a little bit about your background, what brought you into the role of a school counselor here at Bend High, where we're recording this at the online at Had. Yeah, I'm Christine Ewing. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I actually specialize in working with uh, kids, adolescents, and families, um, in addition to a credentialed school counselor. And so my passion was to go where the kids were, and kids spend most of their time in schools. And so um, that is how I ended up working in a high school setting. And it is an honor every day to be able to walk uh, through these halls. Um, as old as this building might be, um, the tradition and the culture stays alive every day. Um, and it, it's my passion. Thank you for that. Kelsey, how about you? What brought you to Lapine High School as a counselor? And, and what actually brought you into the profession as well? So um, I am from Wisconsin originally. And I got my undergrad in psychology with an emphasis in conflict resolution. So I actually started my career as a mediator. And I had the honor of working with youth who had gone through the criminal justice system as adolescents and teaching them nonviolent communication and communication skills. And it was through that work that I um, had the opportunity to really do some reflection around how do I want to spend my day? And it was with kids. And like Christina just said, where do you see kids the most? Schools. So I got online and I looked at programs and OSU Cascades here in Bend has one of the best school counseling programs in our country. And so I hopped on a train, moved here, and, um, and I had my internship at Lapine. And so I loved it. I love the size of Lapine. I'm from a very small community in Wisconsin Lake Lapine. And so I love the relationship opportunities. I know every single student and staff and I really value that. So that's, that's my story. So I'm, I'm so pleased that you both are willing to have this time and talk with us and, and uh, kind of share with our listeners a little bit about how this conversation is happening in our schools and what we're experiencing, what our students are experiencing and how staff is addressing it. Um, there, there's really two things I want to start kicking this off with. The first one is the fact that, uh, you know, this is the time of the year that many folks are thinking about uh, gratitude and they're thinking about spending time with families and, and what they might get for gifts or what gifts they may give to family members and friends. And 
and how this season can be such a time of joy and love and compassion. I think that not all of our students and not all of our, our adults, for that matter, uh, feel that way about the holidays. And this can be also a very stressful and challenging time. Um, and I think that's even worse, I would guess, during a pandemic in which so many challenges have had to been overcome for us to be able to just go through the business of operating our schools. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have students who find tremendous comfort in the routine of school mm-hmm. and the day-to-day and, and just knowing that they're going to go to a safe place every mm-hmm. single day, get a couple of meals from us and have people that they know care about mm-hmm. them and, and dive into that a little bit with you. And then I think the second part is just telling us a little bit about your experiences in dealing with students, not just during this time of the season, but how the pandemic has created bigger and more challenges with that, both as uh, what our students are experiencing, and even perhaps if we have time at the end, maybe just talking a little bit about the stressors that our our staff might be experiencing, because Mm -hmm. there is a lot of emotional tension, there's a lot of stress, a lot of fear, uh, and how we continue, and it amazes me, how we continue to prioritize the importance of care and compassion and creating a sense of community around our students. Because we're seeing uh, this time of year be such a challenge, I would love us to just dive in. Students need help right now. Students, Many of our students are struggling. How, uh, how are we providing those supports and why can this time of year be tough for students and, and our families? Yeah, so I think so often our culture, especially during the holiday season, really puts a strong emphasis on joy and peace, right? Joy and peace at all costs, no matter the wear and tear that it takes. Um, And the reality is our mental health still exists, no matter the season or the holiday that we're in. And so oftentimes it's uh, recognizing that joy and peace can still be found in the midst of a hard time and recognizing that both of those things can be true and when both can exist it takes away the shame um, and it's okay especially in this time to recognize that right now we need more support and more help than we ever did before um, and despite some of the negative challenges that came through a pandemic we also saw communities that came together. We saw communities that strived to support. Um, We saw schools that stepped in and said, we're going to provide meals no matter what, even during a holiday break. Um, And so just recognizing that joy and pain can also exist as well. Yeah. And I think just to echo that expectation or idea of joy Mm -hmm. and peace in the holidays, that was something that I had thought of around uh, or that came to me around this idea of what causes stress this time of year. And Mm -hmm. it's the expectations that we put on holidays and traditions and things like that. And um, I think that that you know, when we try to live up to those expectations without acknowledging the stress or the pain or the grief that maybe we're experiencing, um, we don't create space for both. And so I just think that Christine is right on when it comes to being able to create space. Um, And I would also say the pandemic has created all different forms of loss. Mm -hmm. And some for some of our families in our community, that includes actual members of Mm -hmm. our family or, you know, of our, yeah, of our families. And so when we think about the tradition of gathering as a family Mm -hmm. around the holidays, I think right now, especially that can be really difficult as well. So Kelsey, you mentioned that some of our students have actually experienced loss of of either friends or family members this uh, this year, have we had to deal specifically with supporting students in those cases? Yeah, absolutely. And I would add um, to student staff. We've had staff and students mm-hmm. lose family or friends. 
and not necessarily related to COVID-19, but just in general. And the layered um, grief added to that around not being able to have celebrations of life, not necessarily getting that form of closure. And so um, just yesterday, honestly, I had a student come into my office really upset and, you know, I always ask, tell me what brings you here, what's going on? And she said, I just can't handle the holidays. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. I've lost, and she has unfortunately lost three family members within this last year, which caused her family to move. And they are now sharing housing with another family. And so her whole, and not only her whole family is upended, but the way that they typically do things, because now her family culture is having to navigate marrying traditions of another family. And so again, very layered loss. I would say that this experience is very real. So the, so we have two full weeks off here. We're recording this just uh, about a week before, week and a half before we go on the holiday break. And our, our students are going to be away from school and the supports that schools provide. And some kids are glad to have that, I'll tell you right now. But some are, are not. And so what are some of the resources that students and families can access over that holiday break that uh, they, if they knew about that we could provide that service or at least a connection for them to avail themselves of? I always do a plug into First Step just because I think it is one of the best resources that our district um, has supported. So First Step is a free mental health support app that houses a plethora of resources within our school and our local community. Um, It's actually an app that is embedded on every school iPad already. Um, So every student K through 12 already has access to that app. It's also a free app that parents and community members can download onto their phones. Um, But in that app, it houses everything from immediate emergency services to the stabilization center, to the county crisis line, to, to even the basics of I just need to breathe. I need to check in with my body and with myself. There's mindfulness apps. There's deep breathing apps on there. Um, It also houses the Oregon Youth Line, which is an amazing support and resource. Um, It's available seven days a week. Um, It is a um, peer-supported line Monday through Friday from 4 to 10. Um, We have students here at Bend High, I know, as well as in Lapine and across our district um, of students that are there supporting other students um, that will be working over the the holiday break. Uh, In addition, that line is available 24-7. So um, students can either text, they can call, they can email, uh, but resources are right there at their fingertips. And then I would say also in addition, depending on the school, uh, we update our winter resources, um, which can be found on our school websites as well as our district websites that house different resources, anything from needing food, shelter, clothing, to mental health resources as well. One thing that the first step also has is how to help a friend. Yes. And I think that's so important because Mm -hmm. when anybody comes to us with any form of mental health crisis, that can be really scary, especially if you're like, I'm not a counselor. Mm -hmm. I don't have a license in this. How do I help? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to just highlight that also within the first step is the link, how how to help a friend. And it walks you through tips. And I would just say it's really about being present, non-judgmentally, and holding space, and knowing that there's all those other amazing resources within that same app that Christine had highlighted that you can go through. One other thing I would add is there are a lot of resources that we have within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can always stop and take deep breaths. You can always step back, you know, even if it's for two minutes by yourself (laughs) to just give yourself a break. And so I would just remind anyone who's listening to this that there are lots of resources also within themselves, Mm -hmm. sources of strength that they can access. 
Just because we've been talking about grief, I want to make sure I, I highlight two really important resources. There's Partners of Care, which is local in Central Oregon, and there's the Dougie Center out of Portland. And there we've partnered with both, and they're amazing. And so I wanted to make sure we highlighted them. And then there are a couple other specific uh, resources for our students who may be identifying LGBTQ through the Trevor Project. There's also other resources for mental health specific if um, for our, our students who are Latinx. There's uh, We Are Native. And so just wanted to make sure I highlighted those as well. So that's a, an awful lot of resources. We'll be sure to list those or link those in the show notes for our listeners. So if they wish to access those, that we can kind of maybe organize those for, for them in the, in the notes. Great. Um, so you, as school counselors, you guys do a lot of things, and not all of it has to do with mental health. I, d- I want to talk specifically about your relationship in the schools with regards to mental health. And mm-hmm. so we're not going to talk about building uh, schedules or any of those kinds of small group stuff, but specifically mental health and things like prevention strategies and intervention strategies. Well, let's start with prevention. Kelsey, what, is, what does prevention mean? First of all, help us uh, help our listeners know and understand the difference between prevention and intervention and what it is that we are trying to prevent. So glad you asked this question. I'm really passionate about it, so I'm going to try to keep my answer concise. But basically, prevention is being proactive. It's doing things that we just know to be well, know to be best practices that really help care in in the context of mental health, things that we know help promote mental health um, and keep us well. And then intervention is recognizing when we are struggling, doing things specifically to support those moments of life. And so um, as far as our prevention, there's a lot of different things we can do. And what we try to do in the school specifically is to create a sense of environment that is predictable, consistent, and supportive. And so our educators across the district, elementary, middle, and high, are amazing at doing this. It's just a simple example is a lot of our staff will stand outside their door and greet every single student. Hi, how's it going? They'll ask their name and nickname, a fist bump. Um, I'm so happy you're here. Hey, welcome back. We've missed you. um, And and just things like that, that really create a sense of belonging. And I think at our very core, every individual just wants to feel seen and heard. And when we do those things, we do that. We help our members, our students to feel seen and heard. And so that's one of the things that we do for prevention. And then we also will teach lessons. So we school-wide will go into classrooms as school counselors, or really we partner with teachers through programs like advisory. And advisory is just like a fancy word for homeroom. And so um, what that is, you know, we'll talk about how to resolve conflict, how to take perspectives, um, different perspectives and empathy building and um, even learning about the brain. You know, what happens when you get triggered, right? You flip your lid. Um, You know, just those things that can really put into context of like, oh, so when I said that thing to my mom that I didn't mean to say, that's normal? It's like, yes, oh yes, that's very normal. Um, So things like that. I'm sure Christine has things to add as well. Yeah, I think in addition to having students and even staff feel like they have a place to belong and feel safe, I would say the other piece to that is destigmatizing things like talking about mental health talking about suicide prevention. The more we name these things, the more that we um, are bringing less shame around it. And when teachers can have conversations with students, when students can have conversations with their parents about um, their strengths within themselves, that in and of itself is a prevention. And that just adds
adds to what Kelsey was just talking about. So let me jump in here and see if I'm on the right path. What you just described in great detail for me sounds exactly like the the foundations of a curricula of what we would call social-emotional learning. When we talk about mm-hmm. promoting social-emotional learning in our system as a mechanism to create a sense of community and a sense of belonging for each and every student, mm-hmm. are we literally just talking about providing mental health supports to students so that the school becomes a place in which they feel safe and engaged and cared for? Yeah. In a nutshell. In a I nutshell, think. yeah. <laughs> and I think if we shift away from thinking of social-emotional learning as another initiative or another curriculum, and you look at the basics, and the basics is that we are all human beings. Yeah. And I don't know about anybody else, but nobody gave me a handbook on how to be the perfect human. And so what I'm doing is I'm watching all of the people around me, and I'm developing a sense of who I am. And so if I'm surrounded by positive supports, if I'm connected to my school and my community, I am developing my mental health, I am developing my social emotional awareness, and I'm learning how to self-regulate within myself and in my family system. Okay, so Kelsey, you did a really nice job of helping me understand prevention. Is it safe to say that intervention means I'm struggling with something right now and I'm needing someone to help me or, or I'm needing maybe even myself to help figure out ways to help pull me out of a, a system that I might be struggling or, or a, a moment, uh, some emotions, whatever. Do we have systems of support for when somebody's in an interventional crisis? Like right now it's happening to me. And am I understanding that correctly? So, yeah, so this is actually where we get to shine. When a student is needing an intervention, that's really our our wheelhouse. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do very well, but I love it because I love kid contact, right? So when a student is struggling, they come in, um, whether that's with a friend or a teacher, maybe a parent referral, a self-referral, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And so we will just be curious. I I always say that. I just want to be curious. Tell me what's going on. And through that conversation, sometimes it can get pretty um, intense where I might want to ask about suicide Mm -hmm. or I might want to talk about more mental illness, whether it's depression or anxiety or things like that. And through those conversations, I might decide this is something that we can work on short term. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, um, you know, maybe you are feeling anxiety in a particular class, something like that. And so we'll do short-term counseling. And what that looks like for a school counselor is is really brief. We're talking about one 30-minute meeting a week for six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is a suicide risk assessment, there's a whole process involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to clarify, I said the word assessment, but really we're screeners. We don't mm-hmm. assess necessarily, but we'll screen for suicide. And there's a process in place for us to follow accessing our community resources, Uh, And and then even small groups can be an intervention. Yeah, and I think just to tie into that, there's two pieces um, that you mentioned that I think are key in getting a student into our room that shifts between a prevention and an intervention. Mm -hmm. And the first one is that all of our staff get trained on suicide prevention and how to question, persuade, and refer, which stands for QPR. Um, And that is something that all of our staff get training Mm -hmm. on. So they are looking at warning signs. They're checking in on some of those red flags and those intuitions. They can bring a student down um, and then we get to connect with them. And then through that, our counselors are trained um, to toggle between a suicide risk screen Mm -hmm. and then if we do need uh, more intensive services, that's where the intervention piece comes in. We then can, collaborate or tag team, if you will, with other trained professionals, either in our school or in our community, to shift and say, this student needs 
a suicide risk assessment, which then leads into a, a safety plan or more intensive services. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes those get blended uh, because we're, they're at school all the time. And so oftentimes families or a community or our teachers will think, okay, we took them into your office and so it's just a magic wand that's going to get fixed. Um, and what they don't see is all the behind the scenes stuff that we get mm-hmm. to do, which mm-hmm. is all the supports like the interventions. So um, our district really strives to make sure that uh, counselors are trained in ASSIST, which is Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training. Um, and what's really cool about that is we are able to provide a screener and then create a safety plan to keep that individual safe for right now. And as long as we can keep that person safe and alive right now, we can then shift them into an intensive service, whether that is getting them into intensive individual therapy, family therapy, substance use group therapy. Um, some of our schools are able to provide that and house that with different programs like um, Bright, mm-hmm. um, which is building resiliency for youth in transition. Upshift. Yep. So Upshift is for substance misuse. Mm-hmm. We have a partnership with Deschutes County in that. Yeah. And then looking at the assessment of what they need and recognizing that an intervention, the goal of an intervention is not to be a long-term fix, right? When we are toggling between prevention and intervention, that the part that stays the same is the individual in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that individual comes to circling back to what we said in the beginning, which is the strength within them. Every human being has a plethora of strengths within them. And what we're doing when we are working with an intervention is we're saying, what strengths do you already have? And how can we just help you fine tune those Mm -hmm. so that you have the skills that you need to go back from an intervention into a prevention model Mm -hmm. and feel safe at school or in your community? And just, if I can add just one piece, just tying it back to how you started in the beginning, because I think it's so important, is the idea of both, Mm -hmm. right? I can be struggling and have tons of sources of strength. And I loved how you articulated that with intervention, Mm -hmm. and I think that's so important. And that's really what we do highlight when we're doing an intervention, is highlighting their existing strengths and acknowledging the and piece of I'm struggling and I have lots of strengths. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a lot. But what about our families? I mean, that most of that interaction, I'm, I'm assuming, starts with the students. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for our families who may not have the access to you all? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we support students that, you know, teenagers and students that are maybe struggling at school? And what, what advice do we give to parents and families at home about how to uh, talk about some really challenging subjects? I, QPR, I'm a little familiar with QPR, mm-hmm. is a pretty direct way of asking someone if they're thinking and contemplating about suicide. That's, uh, for many families, that might be a, a very taboo question. Mm-hmm. So what? talk to a little bit to our listeners about how families may be able to engage or supports for them as well. Well, I think even before we talk about families, one thing I want to highlight is that you're right. The question or even the word suicide feels very taboo and mm-hmm. very scary. And I think that there's a really common misunderstanding um, around, you know, if I say the word, I'm just so afraid. What if I say, are you thinking about suicide? And they, that makes it worse. And I or just, that's planting a seed. Or that's planting a seed. Because mm-hmm. um, they haven't said it. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I believe, Christine, you'll agree with me totally mm-hmm. on this. Yep. But I just want to use this platform to just remind our community that it actually is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Once we say that word, it's like, oh, like the exhale, the relief. Um, the elephant in the room has been called out. And just like Christine had mentioned earlier, too, about the intervention piece and it's temporary, um, often suicidal thoughts can also be temporary. It's just about asking, as you said, Dr. Cook, and then talking about it. Mm -hmm. So I I just wanted to lead with that. 
Yeah, in fact, there is not any research that shows to be the opposite, right? And so this is essentially us just demystifying that asking specifically, are you thinking about suicide, is the best practice. And the reason why we want to ask so specifically is because it takes away from us having to subjectively figure out the answer. When we're asking directly, it validates, it normalizes for the person that you're asking that it is okay for me to be feeling this way and somebody else knows now that weight has been lifted, I can get the support that I need. Um, And so from a family's perspective, I'm going to jump into that Mm -hmm. and just say there's a couple of things. The first one is, um, even though we're adults and there's this lie that we're supposed to have it all together, we don't. We don't have it all together. And to be authentic and genuine as a parent to say to your young person, who is pretty smart and you helped to raise that, is acknowledging, I don't have all the answers Mm -hmm. and we're going to figure it out together. Thank you for telling me how you feel. I have even felt that way before. Or there's been times in my life, right, connecting with them, normalizing their behavior, uh, their thoughts, their feelings. Mm-hmm. That makes it real. That makes yeah. it human. Um, and, and I think to that point, not trying to fix. Yeah. Right? When you're listening, when you're talking with your child and trying to support them with whatever difficult thing they're bringing to you, making sure that you're not wanting to jump in and fix. And yeah. that is so hard right it's so hard to see our loved ones especially our children Mm -hmm. um, in pain and suffering and struggling but I think it's more about walking alongside Mm -hmm. and with together um, than it is trying to jump in and fix because if we jump in and fix it can send a message that we're not comfortable holding space for difficult emotions and recognizing that yes we as adults as well Mm -hmm. have had difficult emotions so christine it's so great that you mentioned sharing being vulnerable with your your young person around some of your own struggles Mm -hmm. too and keeping it developmentally appropriate right what you would connect with with your six-year-old might not be what you connected with with your 16 year old but you're Mm -hmm. still connecting you're identifying the feelings Mm -hmm. um even in my role as a counselor i do this with every student that comes in Um, and so oftentimes I share it with parents and I say when a student comes and talks with me I say I'm gonna offer you three things you tell me what you need do you need me to just listen do you need me to offer you advice or do you need me to step in as the adult and so I share that with families because that takes away the urgency to fix and you're also giving your youth the opportunity to think for themselves what do they want because they might be blurbing out to you what's happening without any control and you're giving them a chance to empower and advocate what they need in that moment and it just allows them the space to share what's happening and for you to walk alongside of them and not fix it. That reminds me, I always tell students when they come in, you are the expert of you. No one knows you better than you. And so I am here to support you and same thing, like Mm -hmm. how can I help you? Is it helpful? I'll even say, is it helpful for me to ask a question right now? Is it, I have a thought of advice, would that be helpful to hear? Take Mm -hmm. it or leave it kind of thing. Yep. So are there any resources that we can provide for our parents? And if so, do those live at the school? What are those connections and that we try to make from the, the school to the home? Yes, we do have resources. I would say right now, um, as we are transitioning back into the routine of school, a lot of our parenting resources are within our community. Um, but we do partner with Healthy Deschutes County for Healthy Schools. Um, actually, both of our schools yes. have the yep. honor of piloting um, a public health specialist within our schools. And part of their um, role is going to be to provide some parenting support and workshops so that parents are having those conversations. Um, I know in the past, we've also housed parent nights um, to support families and just having some of these conversations. Um, But definitely within our community, we have connect workshops. 
We have um, community events that happen in addition to just our local community resources that can do some parent nights as well. So it, is it safe to say that if, if a, a listener is, is hearing this conversation right now and they're thinking about an interaction they had with their child, whether it was a five-year-old or a, a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, and they are not sure what they need to do next, that it's a, a reasonable thing to do is to call their student school and say, I need to talk with somebody that can help guide us through this conversation? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Part of our role, which I think is my favorite part of the role, is that we get to be the cheerleader for all different parties. Yes. And the biggest one is that we get to advocate for students, our families, and our staff. Yes. Um, and so we get the honor of seeing all of these pieces. But anytime mm-hmm. a student or a family needs support, we can bridge that gap in terms of just connecting all of the resources together um, to find some strength that they already have and ways to communicate. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell parents, they're not, they don't come with manuals. Yep. You can't turn to page 96 that's going to tell you how to handle yep. this. So I actually love and, and feel honored when parents call the school mm-hmm. and, and reach out to me, the school counselor. Okay, Christine, you said something that I hadn't thought about. You mentioned staff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, this has been an interesting uh, semester. It's been a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are lots, I hear from staff all over the district Mm -hmm. that it's been tough. Uh, I'm wondering about uh, the the, the self care of the caregiver, and and Mm -hmm. is that a thing? And am Mm -hmm. am I even saying it right? And are people potentially struggling emotionally because the the demands, the emotional demands that students and parents and families are trying to get through to navigate both uh, a challenging school year and the pandemic and uh, this season, the time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a real thing? Am, am I hearing stories oh, yes. that are true? Yeah. Yeah, Tell me more about that. It is 100% a real yeah. thing, I would say. Yeah. Christine, uh, for the listener, Christine and I are just looking at each other like, how do we... Yeah, yes. where do we start? Where, yeah. um, I would definitely say that uh, our staff are, are... We forget sometimes because they're so great at what they do that they're mm-hmm. also human and that they are also struggling. And that oftentimes when they're walking through their doors into their classroom, they are taking their feelings, their thoughts, putting them on the side to take care of the needs of our students and the families that come in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned self-care, and I got to say, that we definitely live in a world where I don't know that we've um, really utilized self-care very much. Um, I think that sometimes we over-identify with it and sometimes we don't identify with it at all. Um, And if you think about Mm self-care, it's actually just meeting your basic needs. What we are hoping for eventually is that folks can build resiliency within themselves, but we're not even meeting our basic needs. And so I think our staff are definitely struggling, um, not because they're not capable, but because we're tired um, and we're trying to hold space for everybody around us. Um, and all the things that are happening. And Kelsey, yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts? No, I mean, well, this is a topic I'm so passionate about, but Christine, you just said it so beautifully. And so I, um, you know, I saw this really great quote around, um, if you're looking forward to your break, i.e. the weekend or, or what the holiday break or whatever it may be, you might have a burnout problem. And it's like, gosh, that sounds like every industry out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> including schools and yep. teachers. Um, and I think that's because we belong to now the biggest club in the world, which is the pandemic club, right? And this has affected us all in our own way and in so many ways. And I think, you know, I keep, whenever I talk with my colleagues around how hard this is, I always say, if anybody, if any place, workplace can be the most innovative, most responsive, most creative, and thinking outside the box, um, which I love on um, High Desert sign, by the way, that says, I'll think outside 
not outside the box. I love that. Mm-hmm. That That's not a direct quote, obviously. Um, but I encourage you to drive down not. It's very inspiring. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we can do it. If anybody can do it, it's us. It's us educators. And I think to that point, though, I don't want to diminish the level of exhaustion mm-hmm. of our staff because we've been creative and innovative for about two years now, mm-hmm. right? We're learning new systems. And um, I've had teachers say, I've never worked harder in my life mm-hmm. than building my Canvas program and making sure that my modules are are flexible and understanding for students and then the level of check-in that's required and mm-hmm. all fulfilling because our, mm-hmm. our staff are amazing, caring individuals, but they're exhausted. And compassion mm-hmm. fatigue is a real thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. So this is, I'm just curious, this is such emotional work. I bet you both have stories of a place in which you had an interaction with a student or a family member that you would say is one of those shining moments that you think about often in which you've seen and felt the value of the work that you're doing mm-hmm. and you actually have seen the impact on a student's life. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to hear, have our listeners hear you share uh, one of those stories with us. Uh, this is actually back even when I was an intern at Lapine. So this goes, this is way back, but I have lots of even recent ones, but this is the one that just really pulls at my heartstrings. So this student was a ninth grade student and had really long hair and always wore it in front of their face, were silent and sort of wanted to just, you've you've seen those students that just want to just mold themselves into the wallpaper and and hide. And I, um, you know, as an intern, I I want hours, I want to connect with kids. I don't have necessarily all the other things that I now have as a licensed counselor. And so I would meet with her every single week and she would come to my office, but she wouldn't say anything. And so I would just reflect what I was seeing and I would just say, you don't have to say anything. I'm just here to remind you that you're in a safe, loving space and I want you to come as you are with no expectation. And, you know, then I graduated and I went to Salem Kaiser for a couple years and worked as an elementary counselor. And the counselor then, who's my mentor, Michelle McDaniel, whoop, whoop, and I love her. And, um, and she's like, you won't believe it. She's got the lead role in our play. And she's a leader on our teams and in our committees. And, um, and I follow her on social media now and she's posting all of these inspirational quotes and cheerleading, not just her friends, but just this community. She's got this platform. And I just think about, this is just my reminder of, I don't need to have the answers in my office. I just need to hold a safe, present, loving space. And there's so much power in that. I just don't know if I can top that. And I don't know that we need to. Like, that was beautifully said and captured. All right, I've been closing out my podcast with this question with with everybody recently, and I would love to hear the answers from both of you on this. Uh, What gives you hope right now? You go. Oh, goodness. (laughs) So literally the thing that wakes me up and gets me to work every day right now is remembering that every youth that I get to work with is a walking, living, breathing testimony of what hope and resiliency look like. Mm -hmm. And if you can survive a pandemic, you can survive anything else that comes your way. Uh, And so the simple fact that everybody is learning how to re-engage with school, with their families, with life, gets me up and out the door and will continue to be the thing because when I get tired I have to stop and remind myself that if a, if you can be a teenager in the year 2021 <laughs> you can do anything in the world so that is what gives me hope 
I, I would say the same. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking just now about this, and I have listened to a podcast recently about hope and despair and things like that because it's just so relevant. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, the thing that I'm trying to do is just be present. And so when I think about that, for me, it's more about inspiration. And I definitely feel so inspired by our young people and the conversations that I'm having and the fact that we're talking about mental health on a podcast Mm -hmm. and the conversations I'm having with students about mental health and the conversations they're telling me they're having with their their peers and their teachers. Mm -hmm. And that inspires me because as we started this, there is such a stigma Mm -hmm. around mental health and asking for help. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, like you were saying we have these walking resilient human beings that are going to go out into the world with a whole new set of perspective Mm -hmm. whether that's from the pandemic or just what they're learning in school whatever and that just excites me and makes me so inspired wow that's powerful both of you thank you so much i i just you have to know this uh i'm just so touched and so inspired by the work that you're doing and the rest of our counselors are doing. And it just reminds me how dedicated our staff are Mm -hmm. to our students and the families that we serve here in Central Oregon. And uh, I'm I'm grateful for your work, and thank you. All right, folks, uh, that's it uh, for this episode. Uh, Remember, this is part one of our take on student mental health. Next time, we're going to be talking with uh, some of our students uh, when we, we do some work with Youthline and hear from them and how how that is serving our community as well. And I just, I am so grateful to thank, I want to take a chance to thank Christine Ewing, Bend High School counselor, and Kelsey Jekyll, uh, Lapine High School counselor. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Yep, thank you. All right, folks, uh, remember this is a pretty new podcast here in Ben Lapine Schools. If you're pleased with the work we're doing on these podcasts, please remember to subscribe on your podcast provider. Share them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Additionally, if there are topics you'd like us to tackle, just like this one, uh, this actually came to us from one of our listeners, uh, please send us a note at podcast at ben.k12.or.us. Please let us know your thoughts, and we are always grateful for the feedback. And please remember to always support public education. Thanks for listening.